Welcome everybody to episode 10 of the Blue Skies Dronecast, the podcast by UAB Hub. This is a podcast for the UK drone industry discussing everything from the UK regulations, new drones and also speaking to you, the people within the drone industry. Presented this week, as always, by Tom Patterson, Adam Giorgio and Matthew Hurst. So uh, welcome along, everyone. Uh, we're on episode uh, 10 now, which is uh, a big milestone. Like I mentioned, we've got uh, Adam and Matthew uh, in as well. So, uh, Adam, anything interesting happened to you this week at all? Or just want to say hello? <laughs> uh, yeah, as usual, nothing, nothing nothing interesting. We're just hoping this isn't going to be a long one. As I've just been saying to the guys, I've got a chicken I've got to get in to the oven uh, as soon as possible. Otherwise, I'm not <laughs> having anything for tea tonight, so. So, uh, <laughs> okay, we'll it, make it short it. and snappy. That's it. Uh, Matthew, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, I did promise to come back with a little bit of feedback with regards to my competition prep oh, and yeah. the competition that I flew in the other day. So I'll keep it short because Adam's got dinner to cook. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, the day went well. The preparation was all good. Uh, unfortunately, one of my models got damaged um, just in a really silly incident. I had There was somebody on the runway uh, when I was busy gliding into land and I had to do one oh. of those go, no-go decisions and I <laughs> ended up choosing a pole instead of a person. So uh, yeah. yeah, one of my models got damaged. Um, it's all fixed up and ready for the next event now uh, but the good news was that I got a second place with the other model in a different class and oh. I'm now second in the championship so I'm um, looking oh, forward right. to the nationals in two weeks time where hopefully with a bit of luck I'll hang on to the second or maybe even push for a first so I'll do my best and uh, I'll get back to you again on that one uh, yeah. after that. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting some uh, video footage potentially in the future of stuff that oh, you yeah, do, and sure. we can we can start to have a look at that in a bit more a bit more detail. So no, that sounds uh, yeah, that sounds really interesting. So uh, mm. yeah, thanks for coming back. It's been a while actually. So luckily you remembered to uh, give us a, an update, which is good. <laughs> yeah, it's um, an ongoing so, process in the workshop, as you can imagine. Yeah, it never stops. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah, for sure. No, that's good. And actually, yeah, the BMFA Nationals. I, I I used to go to that quite a lot, which is good. That was what you meant, wasn't it? Their their model show is it on this year? Yeah, that's all? right. This year it's a little bit different. With the pandemic and sort of uh, oh, coming yeah. out of isolation or not isolation and um, all the sort of restrictions and so on uh, things have been done a bit differently so each event is having its own sort of uh, oh. day at the field as oh, opposed okay. to a group meeting with all the different disciplines but yeah, yeah. the same sort of event yeah oh, okay well hopefully it'll get back to normal soon because that was always quite a good show wasn't it really big and Absolutely, lots of different yeah, stuff sure. to see which is good fun uh, lovely okay well uh, we're back to the uh, the standard schedule uh, this week after a couple of interviews so again we're going to have a main topic uh, we're actually not going to have the weather uh, this episode uh, so we'll move actually straight into a couple of questions uh, and then a rumor or a news article um, as well so uh, I think without further ado we'll talk about um, our first topic so uh, our, our main topic really for this podcast is uh, what type of license do you need to fly a drone commercially so this question comes up time and time again uh, and we thought a lot of you will probably know the answer to this but Again, if you don't, if you're new, then hopefully we can kind of uh, explain uh, sort of what the, the thought process is, I suppose. So uh, let's straight away, I guess, hand it over to, uh, to Adam. So Adam, if I want to fly commercially, what license do I need or do I need a license? Okay, so this question I would say is more of a hangover now from the old regulations. <laughs> so whereas before, before the new regulations came in, you used to need something called a Permission for Commercial Operation, the PFCO. Under the new regulations, you no longer need anything to do commercial work. And that's the key word, commercial work. Uh -huh. um, so it doesn't say that you don't need a, a certificate or an authorization to fly your drone. That's It's based on, obviously, on your weight and where you're flying. But to do commercial work, you don't need a 
license. I put in quotations a license. Oh, okay. So they've they've kind of because that was the big one, and I think a lot of people or the general public kind of understood that and i think now it's going to take quite a long time to kind of change their mindset but yeah essentially they've taken that out and so why do we need licenses now then what what is the main purpose for for these sort of licenses if if we don't need one commercially so because we've uh, moved over to a risk-based model everything is now based on risk so the smaller or the less kind of riskier the operation the flight mm. the less certificate or authorization you need so at the very lowest risk at the very bottom yeah we always say things like your mini your mini two your sub 250 grams for them all you need is an operator id if it has a camera on so you always need your operator id if it's either over 250 grams or it's got a camera so it's, it's below 250 grams and got a camera you need your operator id pay your nine pounds to the ca mm-hmm. If your aircraft is over 250 grams, you'll need your flyer ID as a minimum. Mm-hmm. So that's free to get from the CO, and that's valid for five years. If your aircraft is um, over, um, sorry, over 250 grams, but less than two kilos, mm-hmm. and you want to fly in congested areas, so areas where there are going to be lots of people, you will need the A2 Certificate of Competency. Okay. Um, we, I won't go into the transitional provisions regarding that. We've got other podcasts, other videos regarding that, so mm. I don't want to labour the point over them. Um, but at the moment, today, uh, if it's between 250 grams to 2 kilograms, you'll need the A2C of C if you want to fly in congested areas. And then if your aircraft is over 2 kilos you'll and you want to fly in congested areas, you'll need to do a, a GVC course, the General Visual Line of Sight Certificate, Mm-hmm. And you'll need to get an operational authorization from the CA and get something called PDRA1, Predefined Risk Assessment 1, uh, which will allow you to fly any drone up to 25 kilograms in congested areas as long as you stay 30 meters away from uh, uninvolved people on takeoff and landing, 50 meters away from uh, people when you're airborne, but you can overfly. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, really. That's that's what you need if you, you're going to be flying anything heavier. Uh, one thing I will just make sure that I do point out in regards to commercial, there's one big thing. If you are doing commercial work or anything, actually, if you're doing that's anything that's not recreational or sport, so it doesn't mm. have to be commercial money doesn't have to change hands um if it's anything that goes beyond recreational or sport you need to make sure that you are insured with uh, an insurance that's fully compliant with ec 785 2004 so that's key if uh, anything that's not recreation or sport doesn't have to be commercial so you know if it's charity work say for example you know you're doing something for a charity you need to make sure that you are covered even if no money's changing hands because it's not recreation or sport i see yeah that totally makes sense so i guess yeah the big change here is that you could technically get an aircraft and use it commercially as long as you had the correct insurance without actually having any type of license in in theory as long as you were far enough away from dangerous areas etc or people so i i think that's the interesting one because there's quite a few cases i imagine that 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 could be the case couldn't it you know doing wind turbine surveying or something out in the middle of nowhere you could just get on with it which i think a lot of people find strange at the moment i think yeah 
Yeah, so that's it. So you know, if it is that you don't want to go and do a course, if it is that you just want to stick to your flyer ID and your aircraft is over 250 grams but less than 25 kilos, you could just get your operator ID, get your flyer ID, and fly in non-congested areas, and that's it. You know, that's 150 meters away from these congested areas, mm. areas used for industrial, residential, recreational, and commercial purposes. Mm you can fly them and you know fly 150 meters away from those places stay a minimum of 50 meters away from uninvolved people again if your aircraft is over 250 grams and crack on things are slightly different with certified drones again because there's no certified drones on the market today we won't talk about it in this particular podcast i just want to keep it simplified for drones that are on the market right now um yeah we're shooting this 10th of august 2021 um yeah if we're talking beyond 2020 it went into 2023 different story then yeah but today yeah. if your aircraft over 250 grams um yeah all you need is your flyer id um an operator id and you could fly in non-congested areas with no i put quotations license yeah so what do you think matthew anything to add to that um, yeah, not really too much to add. Just one little point that um, Adam, Adam skipped over was just where people can get their flyer ID. So I've actually got the website open and I'm sure we can drop oh. the link in the description and so on as well. But the website itself is register-drones.caa uh, and then just look for the DMARES links, um, which of course is the Drone and Model Aircraft Registration Scheme. So that's where you'll find your flyer ID and of course be able to get your operator ID as well. I see. Yeah, that's good knowledge to, to have as well. Brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's much more to uh, to add to that subject, really. I think we've covered that quite nicely. So, uh, brilliant. What we'll do is just move uh, on to uh, some questions. OK, then. So we're on to um, a couple of questions uh, this week and uh, we've got two, like I mentioned. Uh, don't forget, if you've got any questions for us, uh, don't hesitate to send them in uh, to dronecast at uavhub.com. Uh, again, like I said, we prefer a voice note or a voice memo if you can. It just keeps the podcast uh, a bit more lively. But uh, if you don't want to hear your own voice, then uh, you can just type in uh, your your sort of email to us uh, as well. So uh, first of all, then we've got uh, a question um, from Toby Davis, uh, and this is an audio clip. So yeah, Toby, take it away. Hi guys. So I was wondering, what licenses would you need to obtain to be able to fly FPV drones for commercial work? Do they come in the same category as normal drones like Mavics, because you would still have a spotter to be able to see it, or is it a whole license specifically for FPV drones? Also, when you get a license in the UK. Is that license transferable to other countries, mainly Canada or America, or would you need to get a license specific to that country? Thank you. Okay, so uh, a great sort of couple of questions there, I suppose, really. Uh, and the first one we've we've semi-answered already, I suppose, really. But uh, again, just to recap, uh, do you need uh, a special license for an FPV drone to fly commercially? So who wants to answer that? I think we know the answer already, really, don't we? But uh, who wants to have a go? Go on, I'll just quickly take that one. So yeah, it's pretty much the same answer as as the main topic of this this podcast. So no, you don't need a special license or anything in particular to fly FPV. The only thing you do need is to make sure you've got a competent observer next to you and they've got to be stood next to you. They can't be um, halfway across the field with a mobile phone or a, mm. a, a radio set, you know, whatever it is. They've got to be stood next to you. They've got to be keeping the visual line of sight with the aircraft, um, but... 
Everything else is still exactly the same in regards to commercial. You don't need a special license to do commercial work if FPV. It's the same applies you know, as as we've it's said to do earlier with the in the of, podcast of the drone, isn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, comment I'd like to make on this section, Tom, um, is perhaps not directly related to the question, but I think um, using FPV for commercial is going to be a big challenge. Now, there are guys out there doing it very successfully, and of course, there's some incredible shots coming out of these FPV aircraft. I think they've actually revolutionized camera work to a certain extent, you know, sort of following drift cars and all this sort of stuff from angles never before seen. (laughs) But I don't think people must underestimate what's involved in terms of doing it safely um, for the sake of their equipment as much as people and everything else around them so if you are going to look at doing this um, certainly go and spend loads of time out in the field practicing far away from everything long before you ever consider doing commercial work and flying up close as you may be seeing online these days it really is incredible but it's something it's a skill set that takes time to gain so don't dive in too deep i'd suggest no it's a lot more kind of pilot focused isn't it absolutely 100% almost to be honest (laughs) yeah for sure and I think probably also the um, the spotter needs to be somebody who has some experience and some understanding of the energy involved and the speed that these things fly at and so on to be able to feed good information to the pilot it doesn't help you just have somebody standing by sort of enjoying watching what you're doing and not able to give you any constructive feedback because that person may not be able to give you sort of enough warning as to the risk that's upcoming if if you're flying close to obstructions and so on um i've sort of got a i suppose more of a follow-up question actually probably for you guys because you guys have probably done more of this than i have in terms of fpv would you say that it's a completely different way of obviously flying here we see a lot of guys that you know either they start off flying i said just say for argument's sake the mini two you know they fly visual line of sight um obviously is it a completely different way of flying from a from a user point of view um going from that to fpv and and i suppose the opposite as well you know going if you fully uh, sorry solely uh, fly fpv is it completely different to them flying visual line of sight because we get obviously we are starting to see more people come through our gvc courses now who have got the dji fpv that potentially have actually never flown no. visual line of sight yeah it's 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 massively different it's a it's a the biggest change that people may know about is the fact that you're no longer potentially flying in your normal sort of GPS mode or even ATI mode. So to get the most out of these drones, you fly in manual mode, which effectively is like flying a remote control helicopter. So there's no kind of limits to the bank angle or limits to the pitch angle. You're in charge of the actual motor RPM now, not the altitude of the aircraft. So there's a lot more to it than that. And everything just happens a lot quicker as well. So you really do need to practice either on a simulator potentially, or the one massive upside I would say of the DJI FPV is the fact that that aircraft does still have GPS and I think if I'm if, if I'm not mistaken you can also press uh, a pause button so if you suddenly make a mess of it you've got that blanket of GPS which actually if you build your own you don't you don't necessarily get so it's a difficult one but yeah anything else to add Matthew to that it is yeah, a massive think- difference isn't it that's it yeah it's a totally different animal altogether and i think it depends uh, a lot on the setup that you go for as tom's spoken about the dji fpv does have multiple flight modes with different levels of assistance and self-leveling and so on um i think what's crucial is that you fully understand what your system does uh, mm. and what modes it has and so on so that you know how to respond and react according to the way it flies i know what to expect uh, when you're learning to fly it but that's sort of why i said you need to go out and fully understand what you've got and practice before you even consider going into a sort of busier environment for sure yeah yeah that's it does that does that answer your question adam 
Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's more actually more for sort of the listeners. I think it might have been an interesting one for people to hear a perspective of. Yeah, exactly. You know, what you know, is it easy to transition from one to the other, and you know, what is the experience like? Yeah. You know, it, and actually, coming from FPV back to a normal drone is almost like putting your stabilizers back on your bike and actually a little bit restrictive to be honest a lot of people would be like you know how come when i let go of the stick the drone stops you know what what what's going on is it broken so actually it's a it's much easier to come from an fpv drone to a inverted commas normal drone than the other way but you know it's definitely doable but you've got to put the time in no just rocking up after opening the box and being a superstar unfortunately it doesn't i suppose i suppose suppose kind of a way of looking at it's a bit like if you do drive going back and forth from a manual to an automatic you know you you go you get i mean when i i've only recently started going to an automatic and i'm i was still in the you know putting (laughs) my put i did the whole um put my foot down on the brake thinking (laughs) and hit the windscreen (laughs) yeah and hit the windscreen because you know my brain my brain's going clutch 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 and brake whereas actually i only need to and that's it so i do you think Mm. it's yeah there's a similar thing there where you know you've got to really rewire your brain to your control inputs and what you're seeing that's definitely the case, Adam. Um, sort of a, a case in, in point is when we had um, a very well-known FPV pilot, one of the top guys in the UK, came through our GVC course, um, yeah. maybe in a PFCO, to be honest, it's a little while ago. I think it was GVC. Either way, flight test is relatively similar. I wasn't going to say a name, but yeah, that was him. Uh, I and uh, I, won't, I won't embarrass him, but um, yeah, interestingly, uh, his aircraft, of course, wasn't ideally suited to the GVC flight test. Um, he didn't actually have a sort of standard GPS-style aircraft, and his intention was to do commercial work with FPV aircraft, so he didn't want to buy one for the purpose. Uh, so he rented one or got one from a friend or whatever the case may have been. And it was quite interesting that he had sort of just grabbed it from just before the time and come out and charged mm-hmm. the batteries, and it was quite an adaptation. He didn't do an incredible flight, although he's extremely skilled his maneuvers with a Mavic were not as good as what we often see yeah. through somebody who's prepared and sort of gone through the efforts of learning their Mavic well mm-hmm. so uh, no criticism to his flight skill he's extremely good don't get me wrong but exactly what Adam's saying is whichever way you go there is a sort of transition and it does take practice to do either of them well yeah yeah it does indeed yeah so yeah that's that's basically the 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 extended version of the answer to that question i think but uh, we'll quickly nip on to his last uh, point as well um so if uh, we were to get this license um can we use this license in other countries quite a short answer i think isn't it yeah i mean the the simple answer is no um so the uk again i would say generally i'm not going to blanket say it won't be accepted all over the world or europe but the general answer is no the the uk a2c the flyer id the a2c the gvc is generally only for the united kingdom if we were still a part of europe it would have been accepted across over all of um, the easa countries so most of the eu but because yeah. of brexit that, that that's not um not happening or can't happen um i have heard again i've not had anything officially confirmed i've kind of read some people have potentially got some of their permissions accepted in some countries in europe but i think it's one of those that if you get it accepted in one it's still not guaranteed that you can still fly in another you know if you say you did get it accepted in spain and you wanted to fly in italy it wouldn't be an automatic approval as such so um always check with the country that you're going to be flying in first because it might be actually that some some countries are even more strict you know than the uk you know where it is there's a complete blanket ban on drones regardless of commercial so um, it's something to um to to look at specifically for the country you are going to be flying in. yeah 
yeah cool yeah Matthew did you want to say something um, Adam yeah the answer that you've just given makes perfect sense and of course um, that's that's the correct answer at this point my question sort of back at you is do you think that's going to change in future when all of the European countries have sort of adapted the new EASA standard because I don't think we're at that point that yet are we so they should they should be pretty much there now um, but I think it's if, if you did if you did the it's, let's say you did a course in Spain then you mm-hmm. that that license that permission yeah is accepted across all of the other european countries yeah but if you do it in the uk because okay. we're not a yeah. part of europe in the ESA, mm-hmm. that isn't automatically accepted in every country um, or yeah. potentially any so um yeah it, it, it's one of those that you know if you're coming from the uk check each country individually if you do get permissions in one country that's a part of the asset it's not guaranteed that it will be accepted your uk permissions will be accepted in another european easa country yeah that's cool lovely okay well uh, there you go toby hopefully that was uh, that was useful uh, second uh, person to actually send in a question um uh, chuck called jay uh, moddy i think is how you pronounce uh, your last name uh, and basically he's asking a relatively simple question but hopefully we can answer it uh, nonetheless uh, so he he's got his gvc qualification his friend is also completing the same course uh, and they're going to be doing jobs together uh, and his question is basically asking whether his friend can be put onto his ops manual and have a joint permission, I suppose, or do they both need to go off separately, get their own ops manuals, get their own permissions, uh, and and do it the slightly more expensive way? What what's the answer to that one, Matthew? What do you reckon? Uh, yes, of course, there's a couple of different angles to this. Of course, um, the first thing that Jay needs to be aware of, uh, I would suggest, is that, uh, yes, his friend can operate under his operational authorization. Of course, mm. having completed his course, he would be able to be added into his operations manual as an additional remote pilot. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't necessarily, his friend wouldn't necessarily need to go through the um, application process through the CAA. He could be added into the ops manual. Uh, but I think what Jay needs to be aware of here is that if the ops manual is written uh, in his name or his company's name and under his operator ID, uh, he also assumes liability for the operations irrespective of which pilot is, or is flying at the time. So I think that's a very relevant point uh, and insurance uh, is certainly a consideration to be thought through if you're going to do it that way. Of course, the option's also there for both Jay and his friend to get their own operational authorizations and work independently and sort of have the option to do one or other or the other or both. Both. So mm. I think there's a few variables there, but to answer his question directly, uh, yes, they can both operate under one operational authorization and have both pilots listed as remote pilots in that uh, operations manual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess another upside is then you can sort of share the costs, I suppose, as well, can't you? That might make things yeah, a little fair bit enough, uh, yeah. easier to swallow as well. Adam, anything to add to that? Yeah, so I mean, absolutely nailed it on the head. Um, the only thing, really, I suppose, it's more if the, the, how their company, if it is a company, is structured. You know, if it is a company, then it makes no sense for them to be have two operational authorizations if they are, you know, say for example, a limited company. You know, mm. Whereas, as um, Matt said, that if they are two sole traders, um, they could operate under one or the other. Or have both and be both remote pilots. So if it's you know if it's if it's Jay's job uh, that comes in, but he wants his mate to fly for him, then he works under his operational authorization because it's Jay's 
job, his company, or if it's yeah. his friend's company, if it's his friend's company's job, if he's a sole trader, it's his job. But he wants Jay to fly for him, then he could fly under his operational authorization to his friend's operational authorization fly under his insurance and it's all kind of you know branded under him so mm. yeah there's a few there's a few options a few variables there that um yeah they could operate under that's it yeah so a couple of choices but hopefully that's answered the question uh jay nicely um as well so thank you very much uh both and uh, we'll look forward to answering uh some more questions uh in the coming episodes so uh that quite nicely now uh takes us to the final part uh of the episode which is uh, either a rumor roundup we haven't got any more rumors about the uh the Mavic Mini, so don't worry. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, quite an interesting article, actually, that we uh, all read, actually, over the weekend. It was funny. We all came... Uh, well, we didn't all come into work on Monday, but we all uh, opened our computers on, on Monday and said, oh, did you see the article? And, uh, yeah, we all we all did. So uh, all to do with, basically, Amazon Prime Air, uh, the drone delivery uh, sort of sector, potentially shutting down or scaling down um, in the UK, which is super interesting because I think we've all been thinking about this and looking at it from afar for quite a while and assuming it was going to happen and it kind of sounds like that uh, it might not be happening anymore which is uh, I think personally a little bit sad so uh, any views why do we think this has happened you know quite a lot to unpack I suppose so we'll try and keep it as uh, as sort of uh, succinct as possible but uh, yeah who wants to have a have a talk first Adam what do you reckon so yeah it... It's one of those I was I've always been actually very skeptical about whether this would long term happen. Mm. Um one uh, from the regulation side of views, you know, I don't think the UK is set up, in fact we're not set up um to be doing this on a large commercial scale yet. Um it doesn't say it won't happen in the future, but you know, it, it's it's hard enough getting a simple enough OSC through the CA, let alone something on a, a huge corporate scale. But I think the other thing is, I think to be honest, one of the big things is with the UK is it's the weather, you know, the <laughs> weather, the, the, the where'd you land, you know, mm. I've got, you know, I've got a garden, but it's only a relatively narrow garden, you know, and I'm adjacent, I've got houses all the way around, it's not like we're in the, yeah. um, we're out in the sticks. So I think, it, I think from a UK point of view, it could be very, I think it's a bit too niche for the UK, it doesn't say it can't work for other countries, I would say, but I think for the UK, we're just so congested from yeah both both in the air and actually on the ground as well yeah yeah for sure yeah i think there were sort of rumors flying about from this article and other places that uh the drones they were developing were getting a bit too big so they were getting over the sort of the 25 kilogram limit which obviously puts them into a different category which makes things much more trickier to sort of uh uh, negotiate I suppose really with the CIA uh, and yeah obviously the, the landing I think the final I think what they said was the final couple of meters was really hard to kind of get uh, sort of reliable I suppose really because um, you know and going off topic I suppose slightly this is quite an interesting subject for me personally because I actually did apply for one of these jobs uh, it's not a secret you know this is not suddenly a oh my god what's happened type of thing um, but uh, yeah a couple of years ago I did uh, I did go for uh, that that uh, that job position for with Amazon and uh, essentially they explained uh, to me that it was a, uh, basically they wanted a lot of pilots to go out and, and fly in these different areas to kind of essentially teach the drone what, uh, you know, like a park bench was or what a piece of grass was, what a swimming pool was. That way then, when it was flying autonomously, it would understand where it could and couldn't land. You see, that was the idea. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I actually was offered the job uh, at the end of it all and uh, didn't take it in the end and 
uh, opted to stay with UAV Hub, which obviously I'm very uh, pleased with at the moment, um, purely because uh, it, it was just a little bit almost like pie in the sky. It was, uh, again, I'd have to relocate as well, which obviously wasn't ideal too, but it was uh, only a short term job and obviously uh, probably was a lot more short term than they were actually telling me uh, back then. So it was quite interesting. And I think that's what they struggled with, obviously, that final landing is obviously difficult and if it was to land on someone or to land on a car or lots of different things could happen you know there was a million ways for it to go wrong and only one way for it to go right I think is the issue and obviously that in the end defeated them I suppose which is just uh, which is interesting what what do you think Matthew do you think it could work or yeah what? so I think I think the two of you have already listed a multitude of problems with the mm. whole thing in concept like Adam I was also very skeptical although like you, I was also keen to see it a success. Yeah. I think it would have been an incredible piece of technology to see in action. But I think there's another aspect which I think is a real concern. And that goes down to the sort of investment in the, in the infrastructure and so mm. on versus uh, what it is that they're going to be able to deliver. So if I order a pair of socks and have it delivered by a drone, I think the value of the socks is sort of uh, eaten up by the drone as the, as the rotors start turning before yeah. it's left the ground. So I'd need to be ordering a high value, small light lightweight item like maybe a mobile phone for example mm. but then i think it becomes a target for for crime i think people would be hijacking and knocking them out the sky and i just think they're at huge they're hugely vulnerable to yeah. being taken down by a multitude multitude of different sort of threats so i mean I haven't physically seen what the aircraft look like. If it's a big, heavy aircraft, it's probably built relatively tough. But, I mean, obviously, it needs to be lightweight. If the propellers are exposed in any way, you could literally take it down with a tethered helium balloon. I mean, yeah. if, if a line went into a propeller, it would be failed. So I just think it's at huge, huge risk of failure. As you've said, there's so many things that could go wrong. But just in transit from A to B, uh, there's just a load of things that could be a problem. And of course, the airspace con being so congested is a, co is a problem in its own it's sort of ways around all of that. But if you just add it all together, I just think economically, the amount of investment and development and the lifespan of each craft and so on, and the batteries on board them, it just doesn't make economical sense. And internally, we chatted about this earlier in the week. And one of my comments was Amazon never do anything that isn't extremely profitable and sort of built on a good financial model. And I think think that's probably close to the core of the sort of final decision that's busy being made yeah yeah that's it I think yeah there were just too many variables I think to iron out which is a shame because you know we used to talk on the course that people were saying well how is it going to work and I used to say well you know the a Amazon will probably pay to have a segment of airspace just for them so maybe I don't know 350 feet to 400 feet and they would just fly in these corridors and then people would mm. say well how about you know, my house, I haven't got a garden. And then I would kind of think, well, maybe they'll have sort of um, landing hubs, you know, like Amazon lockers. So the drone would come to a central place that is safe, drop its package, and then you go and collect it. And I, you know, would have thought maybe that was a, uh, a more viable option. But in the end, I guess that's not a drone delivering to your house yeah. is it exactly the then i think oh. we're just going back to pretty much the same level of delivery as road deliveries at the yeah. moment yeah. and you know so what's the benefits and, and that's when the cost becomes an issue because this drone is extremely expensive to build and maintain yeah. versus a van that can carry tons of of yeah. uh, of deliveries yeah, i guess you know? so i mean that's what i sort of as you're saying about you know suggesting you know, it drops it off at a, an amazon style lock i mean i think it's going to happen, something that will happen automated-wise, but mm. just not with a drone. It might be a literally a, 
an, an automated car, an automated van, yeah. whatever it is, might, I don't know, rock up outside your house, you'll get a notification, you go and put your yeah. pin in and take it yeah. out, you know. I suppose there are other ways of doing it that aren't don't need to be done in the air. No. That could still be, you know, uh, yeah, you get, I don't know, you get, it sits out your door for five minutes, you know, gives you a chance to <laughs> put your put your pants on and <laughs> run down the stairs and grab your uh, as i was going to say the other as i said the other day your dvd but nobody buys oh, yeah, dvds that's it yeah or a friend dad <laughs> yeah um, but yeah it, yeah it, it's, I, I, I yeah I, I think we're all in agreement aren't we unfortunately and like you say yeah i think maybe autonomous uh if anyone has been around the Milton Keynes area and you've seen those little autonomous little buggies that drive around Milton Keynes. I don't know if you've seen those, but it's like my highlight when I drive back to Norfolk, I go via Milton Keynes and they've got these little delivery robots that can carry, you know, a takeaway and they all drive around on the pavements, cross the roads and it's all autonomous. And it's incredible to watch them all doing it as you're driving along. Uh, And I think that looks more viable because if that goes wrong, it just comes to a stop and just flashes its lights. Whereas if a drone goes wrong, it's going to come down, isn't it, somewhere? And massive news story, you know, Amazon potentially kill someone with a drone and that's the end isn't it of, of amazon potentially so i mean i know i mean i know yeah. they've got literally billions sitting in the mm. bank but even then you know from an ins- like who's who would insure it mean, would they have to literally insure <laughs> themselves for if yeah heaven forbid, jeff, anything happened and jeff's got to go to space a few more times yet so he can't you know run out of money <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there we go anything else to add i think we've exhausted that subject really but interesting yeah. to talk just, about I think. just one quick question yeah. tom uh, those little buggies you're talking about in Milton mm. Keynes, what stops the teenagers putting them upside down like a turtle? <laughs> Any uh, idea? I, I'm not 100% sure, but I know they are GPS located and there are people kind of mass looking after them. But uh, I don't know okay. if they can self-write themselves or not. But, so, yeah. so are they quite, are they quite small? Are they like, I mean, I'm, I'm, trying not, to think of I'm a, not seen them, so I can't yeah, in, in perspective. Uh, just trying to think of something that is sort of almost like um, like like, like a, two pelly cases stacked on top of each other, something like oh, okay. that. It's so, six yeah. wheels. So, right. yeah, so, a, so, so a couple of teenagers could potentially lift it up and... Yeah, I think Definitely. so, which I guess is always the, the <laughs> argument, isn't it? And I always just think, oh, just don't do that. Leave it alone and let it do its thing and just watch it. But no, yeah, teenagers be... don't think that, no, that they don't, they don't. <laughs> But I think it does have some sort of safety I'm equipment that will put out a little help signal and someone will probably come come driving up and coming to find it and make sure it's okay yeah. i suppose but no they're yeah. cool i'd say that's a good, a good if you want to day out go to milton Keynes and watch these little buggies drive around it's, uh, yeah it's quite exciting but hey that probably might more be exciting me. than formula one in 2021 maybe that's true yeah that's definitely it yeah uh cool okay well that was uh, a good subject to talk about i think really wasn't it so um that leads us quite nicely then um to uh the end of this episode actually so um as always any questions if you don't mind sending sending them into dronecast at uavhub.com like i mentioned before audio messages are uh, appreciated but again text is also fine as well Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast i imagine most of you probably are at this point but if you don't or if you haven't uh, if you can subscribe that means then the episode will drop into your uh, inbox every uh, wednesday morning as well and uh, give us a review as well if you don't mind too that always helps uh, the algorithms um, as well but uh, that's pretty much it really so i suppose that's uh, that's goodbye from adam uh yeah well uh i better go get my chicken on oh that's true yeah we're just about right aren't we for that yeah and uh (laughs) yeah that's a goodbye from uh, matthew as well 
Yeah, cheers from me too. One uh, additional little point on what Tom's just said is um, tell a friend about the podcast as well. I had somebody oh, today yeah. on the flight test who wasn't aware of it. He's a member of our uh, Facebook group, so quite how he wasn't aware of it, I'm not <laughs> sure, because we've pushed it quite hard and sort of spread the word. But yeah, tell yeah. a friend. Yeah, that's it. Very simple, isn't it? Nice. Uh, cool. So that just leaves me to say uh, goodbye. And obviously, as always, uh, fly safe and blue skies. We'll see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers.